I'm Charlotte McKnight. I serve as a women's shepherd here. And I have the privilege of reading God's word to his people this morning. I'll be reading Hebrews 11:29 and Exodus 14. You can follow along with me in your bulletin. Hebrews 11:29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pahirath between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Ziphon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden the Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Israel, sorry, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants had changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and his army and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pahiharath, in front of Baal Ziphon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is not what we said to you in Egypt, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And the Lord said to his people, and Moses said to, his, to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and a darkness, and it lit up the night without coming near the other. 
all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea. All of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, watched the Lord in the pillar of fire of, and of cloud looked down on the Egyptians' forces and threw the Egyptians force in, Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The water returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh, just to let you know, us who have the opportunity to preach, we, we don't do that to pain you to be like, look, I, I'd, like, I'd rather have less time up there, so let's just pick a whole chapter out of the Bible for our scripture reader to read. Um, it's important, folks, for you all to listen and hear, and as Charlotte was encouraging you, reading along to God's holy word. It is a privilege to be here this morning. I'm Connor Mooney, the director of family and children here at Christ Central. Um, and while the boss is away, no, okay, um, I really enjoy being up here, and he will listen in and critique, but thankful for Pastor Howard having just a few more days um, of um, vacation as well as prepping for the new year, um, and so please pray for him, and I am really grateful to be up here. Um, you also may be saying today, yeah, there's a lot of scripture reading, and really the 13th sermon on faith? Like, again? It's okay. You can say that kind of like, um, and yes, the sermon, this, my sermon title is The 10-Mile Walk of Faith. Man, it's on faith. But trust me, as we trust one another, that you actually need to hear 13, 36, 300 times over how to have faith in God. Now, that's a simple just concept, right? Faith in God. Got it. I've been walking Connor, some of you are saying, for 20, 30, 40 years. Great. I do believe you still need to hear a refreshing word on not only God's word, but specifically this powerful story of Moses and God's people crossing the Red Sea. Now, um, it starts here, and what I'm going to tell you is, yeah, I don't think I have really incredibly profound things to say, but what I do think I have for you is an opportunity to really lay out for you what is going on here. 
okay? We do, again, have the privilege as preachers to be in God's word. You can do it too, but, but hours upon hours upon hours in order to really, really grasp what's going on. And so um, I'm even going to go out on a limb. I'm not a very creative person, uh, singing-wise. Sarah Kay could tell you it's, it's pretty rough. And drawing-wise, someone told me the other day, my calligraphy could use some work, Connor, to the point where I handed a handwritten note. Isn't that nice of me? To actually one of our elders here, just encourage, uh, thanking him for his encouragement. And he kind of looked at it briefly and said, do you mind typing up your note next time? So again, calligraphy is not my thing. OK, singing, it's. Uh, and I also don't really paint well, but this morning I'm going to go out on a limb and paint the picture for you of what's going on. I think you have to understand, just like I think I kind of understand now, what is going on here. Well, first of all, you need to hopefully see that in that Hebrews text, which is just one verse, this says God's people, the people of God, had faith. Okay, so this is the first time we've been, we've been highlighting individuals, right? Uh, Abel and Noah and then Moses. But this is God's people. Hooray, cool, we get a shout out because we're God's people and we can see how very similar we are to God's people back here, way back when, when Moses was leading the people out of Egypt, right? Do you know this part? God's people were enslaved, brutally. They basically thought they were good for dead, like ridiculous hours of labor, this is the desert, this is concentration camp, however you can view that and picture that, picture that. They were treated horribly. And so these Egyptians then, remember that they did not like the Israelites, right? But miraculously God sent plagues and then he sent the Passover, which we heard about two weeks ago, um, in order for God's people to gain freedom, right? Whew, we're free, we're out, we're moving out of Egypt and into in the promised land. God's people, remember now, were given little to eat, were forced to work, hours upon hours, they had no bed to sleep in. It was that bad. And I think I'd say, as, as we heard Pastor Howard uh, speak and really uh, preach to us the other day, it was that much evil. Okay, so remember, evil's been in the world um, ever since Adam and Eve, and it's been that bad. And God's people experienced that evil and that injustice thousands of years ago. Okay, and yeah, the reason I say this is God's people, now we can, we can kind of enter in, is that we are experiencing that injustice and evil now, right? As Pastor Howard told us, regrettably, it's that bad. So um, behind them, I'm going to kind of picture, hopefully let you see what's behind them, then what's in front of them, what's really around them, and then what's ahead for them, God's people, okay? Behind them. Egyptians, mad Egyptians, real mad. Like, God actually hardened Pharaoh's heart to be as mad as he was. Interesting. And so we have Egyptians coming. Charlotte read it, 600 chariots. Um, I think they are two-seaters, if not four-seaters. So that's a lot of army soldiers from Egypt on their tail, right? So it's bad. It's really bad to the point where, again, you heard it um, in this reading in Exodus 14. The people of God said... Just let us turn back because of what's in front of us. So again, wait, what? There's bad things back behind them because it's a, a, an army with chariots and with spears and with javelins, crazy things that could kill them. And then what's ahead of them, right? Like what's about to be right there? A sea. <laughs> okay, all right. So some of you are saying they, they, they were good swimmers. Um, okay, that's fine. Hold that thought. Well, let me just say this. They were on a beach now. 
Okay, are you guys starting to picture this? Yes, congratulations for those of you who went to the beach this summer. You're like, yeah, we can picture it. I haven't been yet, so I'm bitter. But look, <laughs> picture the beach. Are you picturing it? Some of you, I know this sounds corny, but some of you may need to close your eyes. That's okay. Okay, but now picture God's people on a beach, not as many as 600, let's say 300 on a beach and water's in front of them. And then look to the north of the beach and there's an Egyptian fortress which means you can't get past. Fortress means, nope, you can't move past this spot, and it's Egyptian. You, you, okay, bad, that's bad. And then to the right of it, there's a mountain range. Like picture, I don't know, even Sinai, which is not that far away, but picture Mount Mitchell, sure. Not climbing that mountain anytime soon, okay? And then look behind them, their enemy. Off they, off they go, racing down this hill. There is really undulated, so literally they're watching the enemy from a good distance back now, but racing down this hill. Right? Think like, I don't know, uh, what's that movie where there, you know, war scenes and there's like a huge crowd coming towards them and it's desperate. Think, just picture that. Okay? So, here's the deal. They're looking in front of them and they're thinking God's going to save them because he took them out of Egypt. But they're saying, that's it, God. This is, there's, there's nothing. This, this is the sea and we're encamped. In, in we're in, um, enclosed here on this beach. So literally, they just said, let's ju just hand us over. Let's just surrender. Maybe they like will kill us nicely. Um, so then you may think, again, yeah, they're good swimmers, OK? Um, this is the Red Sea. And again, thanks to um, some scholars who have, who have counseled me, they're like, well, it could have been the, the Sea of Reeds, blah, blah, blah. OK, great. Well, hey, listen, we're not talking about 10 feet of water. That they were just, it's a sea, it's an ocean. So if they were going to just like, just swim across, guys, um, one thing read this. You ready? Now I'm going to get to the part about the, the sea parting. But it said on either side, the depths of the Red Sea was each 5,000 and 6,000 feet, respectively. Okay, it was that deep. Like, no, 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 you can't swim across this, okay? And the reason I say that too, you can't swim, there's, there's, there's surely case of drowning. Why? Because this is also not a 10 foot, 100 foot, even a 1,000 foot stretch that they had to swim. One scholar that I read about was pretty convinced, even going over there and doing some archaeological studies, thought it was a 10 mile walk. A 10 mile walk. And here's what he says, God caused, this is what happens, right? God caused a strong east wind to blow the waters back. This is what happens. So the people could walk 10 miles through the Red Sea to safety in Arabia. The crossing path is about a quarter to a half mile wide and is on a gradual slope down to the bottom of the Red Sea and then up to the Saudi beach. On either side are the depths that I read of five and 6,000 feet, respectively. Um, I did some math. I didn't really know this offhand, but um, the Bank of America building is 871 feet. So it's about, yeah, four or five Bank of America buildings on top of one another. Or if you prefer Duke, or I hear Wells Fargo's in there, um, it, that, the Duke Energy Building with the cool thingy on top is 784 feet tall. Massive wall of water we're talking about here. And so, um, terrifying, right? I mean, imagine this wall, multiple buildings high that you're supposed to write walk right into it. Now conveniently, but definitely providentially, as I say, the angel of God was leading from the front 
which was reading, leading from the front, moves to the back. I call this an angelic love tap, because what it means is the angel went behind him and basically was like, no, 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 you're not going back. This is God's plan for you. Move along. <laughs> Tough love, call it. Thank you, angel. But they're, they're actually almost essentially like eased into the water. But there's no water. Okay, so um, now we read and realize hindsight also this. Are you picturing this? So, well, this is hard to picture, but picture the angel behind them. And then also picture a pillar of cloud that God sent. And then this pillar of cloud, massive and blocking all the sight in between, keeps the Egyptians at bay, right? So they actually, this cloud comes and forms that God sends in order for the Egyptians to be like, where they go, where they go, where they go. So they put on the brakes and now set the scene, okay? See what God is doing here. It gives the Israelites time to make the escape and give enough distance between each other that the Egyptians will not catch up. And then you read it, you heard it, they're swallowed up. A minor point that I'll share later. See what God is doing for his people. And I believe he's doing this, right? So that they would not all of a sudden fear and worship even they had to worship Pharaoh. This was now them worshiping, revering, fearing God. I mean, if God can, wait, tell the wind to blow away 5,000 feet of water in order for his people to walk through, he's worthy to be feared. He's worthy to be revered. He's worthy to be respected. He's right. He's worthy to be sung about all day long, all week long, all month long. And I would say no matter the circumstances. Because I don't know about you, but I've never been in this much of a pickle. Like, I've never feared for my life like this. So, um, what's around them? Well, I did, again, kind of a study. It was good for me to do this, maybe for you too. And it was kind of like the study of the senses, or the, um, what, is, what are they doing? Kind of smell, sight, touch, hearing. I guess that's it. Um, like, what, what actually is going on here? Like, can we, again, this is God's people. Let's try to put ourselves in God's people's sandals, as Pastor Charles says. Okay, ready? They smell seaweed, salt water, damp air, sweat on the brow. Yes, I think it's smellable. I, and especially on the young ones. Do you realize, wait, are you picturing God's people being God's people, being not only men, but women and children? Like, you all, they were infants on their backs. Or maybe they had the cool cradle thing that we have now. Infants. Maybe some just born the other day. Walking through this scene. Now, thankfully, you're saying, well, Connor, sandals, um, forget about it. They're sinking because this is God's, not God. Yeah, God. But this is the ocean floor. But you'll read from the text. He, took, he had them wait all night so that the ocean floor would dry up incredible. I mean, are you picturing this? Like, so smells, I think they're smelling the, the, the smell of the ocean, but not actually feeling it. I don't know. It's crazy. It's godly. What's going on here? They saw water of all colors, blue, green, turquoise, coral, walls held up on the left, it says, and the right, like that aquarium in Atlanta. Have you guys been to the aquarium in Atlanta? You should go. It's expensive, but you should go. And if you walk under this tunnel, right? I'm not making this up, am I? There's a, thank you, there's a, there's a tunnel you walk under. And there's, yeah, there's actually water all around you. 
Now there's really nicely constructed glass that they build all around you, but you can kind of, woo, wow, that is, that is cool. Never seen that before. And this is happening without glass. Like they're just kind of like, woo. And as one of my colleagues and I were talking about, just kind of like, whoa, yeah, it's, woo, that's water. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's, yep, okay, just checking, mom. Um, there's sea life. So there's fish, mussels, squids, shellfish. I'm not totally accurate on this, probably. There's sharks, why not? And then, but again, not attacking them. And then there's flora. Like, there's flora of all kinds. I appreciate this. My mom's a gardener. There's like shapes and sizes and flowers. God, I don't think, just wiped the flowers out. So they're kind of like walking around gorgeous coral reefs. Why? Because it's dry. Why? Because he is allowing them to escape and to be spared for their lives, to be theirs for a few more whatever. Okay. Um, touch. They kind of feel the salt on their bodies still, because this is ocean environment. There's sun solidifying it, so it's kind of scaly. It's maybe even itchy. Okay, all right, you have to deal with that. Sand, grit, dried up, starting to just kind of, you know, kids are, are crying a little bit. There's water, pressure all around them. And then don't forget, right? They are moving. <laughs> like, no U-Haul truck, they have everything with them. Now, doesn't that make it kind of significant that it was 10 miles? So this is not an easy walk of faith. This is not an easy walk, by all means, okay? They have bags, uh, sacks. They have ropes of their shoulders. However, they, they were able to bring their stuff along with them. And then as I've been feeling lately, thanks to Jack getting older, they have tightly clenched hands of their children that are, that are fearing for their lives, probably, a little more than you are. Like, this is real. This is an, an incredible sight to take in from Exodus 14. Maybe you've never read it like this. Maybe you've kind of not done the dorky, hey, close your eyes and picture this. Thanks, hopefully I'm able to help you do that. But this is miraculous, what God did. And by the way, if it wasn't for this, we wouldn't be here today. This is God's people. This is God's people, Moses the leader, and his people following him, carrying on God's plan in order for then eventually his ultimate plan with Jesus and Christianity to come about. I'm, just, I'm, I'm convinced of that. Okay, what do they hear? Whooshing of water, like current, but probably heavier. Amidst it, there were groans, there were panicked voices, there was heavy breathing. There were young ones kind of asking, Mom, how's that, Dad, how's that water just staying put? Uh, there was roars of Egyptians. I think they heard the Egyptians, frankly. I think even though they were farther away and there was a, maybe the cloud was still there, they still kind of heard and felt that pressure from the Egyptians, hence maybe still walking forward. So there's stomping of horses' hooves. There was a rolling of, uh, rolling of chariot wheels. There was the cracking of whips. And then there's Moses. Don't forget about Moses, who I think at this point is screaming, keep going, keep, you gotta keep going. And don't look back. It's a scene. And as some of you guys may do, some of you younger ones, I know you're here today, and you know me, um, when you go to camp, I know you do like the trust fall. You know what I'm talking about? Where the, they might not do any more liability, but um, okay, you kind of stand there and like you're like, just fall, fall into your friend's arms. And it's, a, it's called a trust fall. Well, this is a trust walk. Because again, there is thousands of feet of water on their left and on their right, and then a ferocious army back behind them. 
I want you all to picture 10 miles, okay? Again, I'm not, I definitely am not calling you ignorant. I just think it's really helpful to picture this, okay? So you all know Christ Central well enough. It would be like walking from here to South Park Mall, but actually that's just six miles. It would be like walking from here to Ikea. Most of you even know Ikea? Well, that's, that's eight miles. It would be like, you'll like this, Charles, walking to the brand new West Charlotte church plant over on the west side, and I think that's about 10 miles to kind of walk all the way across the city, 10. This is a long walk, and no, there's not sidewalks. If we had to do it, there's not crosswalks, and there's not the pressure of, again, these mad Egyptians on their tails. So you tell me, would you do it? I mean, if you're God's people, I'm God's people, like, you, yeah, they did have that option to turn around and just be like, nope, I'm just, nope, I don't believe it, God. I don't think this water's going to hold up. Ten miles is a lot to walk. I'm just, nope. Whatever that alternative was, maybe you're considering that. Maybe you don't trust that God was in that cloud. Maybe you don't think that that was really an angel, and maybe you don't think that those walls can be maintained for ten-mile stretch in order for you to walk through. Well, friends and siblings in the Lord, I've heard lately about what actually some of you have had to deal with, right? I mean, again, if we're talking about this, I kind of see the walls as struggles, as things you, as real struggles you're dealing with, okay? Like, I see it as things that, yeah, probably even seem unbearable. Too much of a weight, Connor, too much of a burden. You don't understand. Change of job, change of house, addition of another child, loss of a family member, loss of friends, moving, they're just checked out. Unfair situations at your work, unruly neighbors, unpaid expenses, underappreciated, overwhelmed, misdiagnosed, ill, and not getting any better. Maybe that's you, and maybe you're saying to God, can you handle that, God? Can you handle this stuff that is right in front of me? Or more so, maybe, can you give me the faith for the circumstances that are in my life today? Well, are you still picturing this 10-mile stretch? Because I think there's an answer to this. It was not really until the final quarter of a mile, uh, maybe even three-quarters of a mile, to go that they would see that there was land without water surrounding it. Like, again, picture it. Yeah, sometimes there's really good visibility when you go down to Charleston or Topsail Island, but um, 10 miles, like, it wasn't until the last mile that they're like, thank you, God, there's some land without this pressured water, and there's maybe hope for us. And by the way, they've never been to this place. Arabia, the other side of the sea, they've never been there. So for all they know, another army wanted to kill them over there, right? So they were doing this blindly. And I would say wholeheartedly trusting God to bring them out of this mess and onto their side. I have, um, I guess, a s several favorite Christian singer-songwriters. One of them's name is Josh Garrels, and he writes this really interesting song called Beyond the Blue. When I talk to him, uh, if I talk to him, I want to ask him, was it inspired by Exodus 14? Because it starts off, stand on the shores of a sight unseen. The substance of this dwells in me, cause my natural eyes only go skin deep but the eyes of my heart anchor the sea. Like, he's been through stuff, some stuff, you all, and he writes these very kind of convictingly, and he's, he actually told a testimony about it, that he used to be into a lot of things that God wouldn't be for, and then God totally just um, converted him, and he believes in Jesus, and now he writes these really, I think, pro prophetic and profound lyrics. 
but I think someone like him is picturing this, standing on a shore and not really knowing what's on that other side. See, we as God people, we do have eyes, and I even think it's a true vision, so kind of spiritualized for what God is able to do, and yet our spirit limits us. I'm sorry, our flesh limits us, right? Like it stunts us into what we are able to see God doing. I'll give you an example, okay? So a few sermons ago, I guess, which is probably uh, maybe six or eight months ago, I told you about my brother. And um, do you remember that? He came to Christ last year. He's living in dreamy, as he calls it, heavenly Alaska. He's experiencing the first time God's grace, his presence, his love in his life. But for the last two weeks, he lost his job. He lost his housing. And as a, as a result, uh, he's lost a lot of hope in God. Like a lot. Like talking to him, he's like, I don't know, Connor. It could just be myth. I don't know, Connor, this God thing. Not a lot of people believe it in up here. It could just be not true. And I will be honest with you. I have struggled to talk to my brother, who I love a lot, and I think, who I think respects me, to say, Kieran, hold on to this faith, and I'll hold on for you. Ooh, I had some times where I'm like, God, here's the thing. God, um, he's in trouble, and yeah, I believe that you're going to spare him just like you did in coming to know Christ last year, but regardless, I'm going to jump on a plane and, and save my brother. Well, I don't think that was acting out of faith, because here's what happened. Plane fry didn't happen. More so, Kieran's like, you will not come up here. I can fend for myself. Um, I don't need my eight-year-old, eight-year younger brother to, to come save me or spare me. But God did, okay? I get a text. I'm praying, I guess, because I have not much else I can do here 2,000 miles away, and I'm praying, and I'm asking people to pray for him, and I'm really trying to trust him. And sure enough, he has found a place to live, and not only that, but people to live with, which if you know my brother, he's more extroverted than I am. He needs people around him. And I've been praying, and I think this faith thing works. I'm praying that one, at least one of them is a Christian, right? Because one of the things he's really missing out on is fellowship with believers, is, do, is this. Yeah, he goes to church, but he's not really, he's not really, he doesn't know a single soul. He doesn't have people necessarily yet inviting him over. And so he is struggling in the faith. And he's had, thankfully, people now, like me and some other people, who said, you can do it, Kieran. God's going God's to come through for you. And he has. Um, I do want to make sure you know that as people of God, these modern-day Israelites, if you want to call us that, um, in our own way, we need to look ahead and see, still figuratively, where God is taking us, right? Like, we need to know it's his plan is the best plan that he's crafted for us, not us trying to weigh in, not our parent, not our sibling, not our counselor. No, this is God who has orchestrated your life to this point, and I believe he's going to take you to the other side. Let me explain that, okay? The other side, yeah, um, we're not there yet. Like, yes, we're Christians. Yes, Jesus came to save us. But no, he hasn't come back yet for the second time. And so, as it is, we live in a world with violence, corruption, ignorance, unbelief, in summation, evil that's that bad. But guess what? He is coming back. And we do have the hope of glory. We do have Isaiah 43. We are right now, folks, walking on dry land, okay? With the pressures around us, yes. But for some time now, Christians have been spared and saved and protected and given 
a new life in him and given the promise and hope of eternal life. We've been given that. Like, we know the other side is over there. It may be three miles away right now. It may be like, oh, my eyes kind of hurt from looking and stretching. But we know Jesus is coming back to save us and to save all those who have called upon his name. Folks, I just, again, with the imagery thing, it's weird, but I want you to realize today, you're dry. Like, you're dried off. You're not submerged this, this high in water right now. You're not swimming frantically. As a Christian, you're dry, and yet you have things around you to the left and right that are honestly sobering and that honestly show that God, he's still sparing you. Like, there's things that he's calling you to do, to walk rightly before him, and he's held it back. But that's where it gets interesting, right? Did he hold it back for everyone? Happy story. Everyone lives. No. So if you look at the end of Exodus 14, were you listening? People died. Actually, 600 chariots full died because those weren't God's people. And so as much as we've been talking about this, God's grace and his hope and his love for us is real, I hope you read this text and see, you know what? God's wrath is real. God's judgment is real. Like, it's real. And so I hope you look at that and say, wow, he, he did something there. He not only saved his people and had them walk the 10-mile walk, staying dry, but he also is coming to judge. And there are people that need Christ right now and call them modern-day Egyptians or whatever, but there are people that need to hear the message of the gospel. You may be in here today. The need that you need to hear, yeah, he's going to spare you, but you need to walk on the path of righteousness in order to do that. Like, he's not a conditionally loving man, God, Father, because he sent his son, Christ, to die for you and without questions, like of how bad your sin or your, the evil was in your life, but he expects you to walk with him. So that's my encouragement, but also my challenge to you today is, yeah, this faith thing, it is kind of hard to figure out. And it is challenging, God, and the times where I really don't want to put my foot forward in faith, he'll send an angel behind you or maybe a pillar of cloud and his people, most of all, I believe, here in the modern-day context to be like, just walk out. Like, it's going to be okay. And yeah, there are five to 6,000-foot waters around you to the left and to your right. You'll be okay. I am the Lord your God. I have called you by name. You are mine. Let's pray. God, thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you that um, even amidst undeserving your love and your protection and these natural walls, supernatural walls, God, that you've put up in front of, in, behind us and uh, around us to the left and to the right, we thank you that the um, coast is clear ahead and you have provided through Jesus your son a way. I think, and I actually know that's why Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. God, I pray that we would expect great things from you, not because, again, we deserve it, or now we're kind of in this perfectly right position, but because you're a big God, and because you love showing yourself, and showing your face, and showing your power, and your might, and your love, and your mercy to people you created. So I pray that we would look for you, God, and have faith in you. Did even greater things than these, Jesus told John. So thank you, God, that you are doing great things amidst us. May it be for your glory and your honor. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.